The talk you're about to listen to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here tonight. We are in the middle of a series on James. Um, but I wanted to start just by uh, sharing um, when I became a Christian, when I started following um, Jesus, I thought through things way simpler than I do now. Um, my conception of all kinds of things was just different. Um, but I loved hearing the message of Jesus. When I first heard it, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that God loved me so much. He knew, like, all the fronts that I put up, all the ways that I tried to earn his forgiveness uh, or to earn, like, hey, I want him to like me. I want to be accepted by him um, or to not be judged, right? Um, when I found out that he actually loved me and knew all the crap that's in my life and knew the things that were deep down that I tried to hide from others, I was blown away. The fact that he died, he lived the life that I could not and did not live of righteousness and obedience, um, he died on the cross for me. Um, and he forgave me, right? He did those things for me, and I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And so when I accepted Christ, when I like started walking with him, it's like, this is fantastic. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. Um, I, now, I now get to live in utter freedom. There's nothing, when you have Christ's righteousness, his life for yours, do you realize there's nothing you can do to add to it? There's no good deed. There's no extra thing you can do to like make God like you more. That is incredible. And when you are in Christ's love, there's nothing you can do that would tear that apart. There's something so amazing about that. So, um, but that was my early Christian days. It's, it's a great deal. Christ offers his righteousness for you, for the taking, if you just would accept it. And then you're in this standing with God where his love can never be torn away from you, ever. It's amazing. And then after a little bit of time, to my shock and surprise, realized like, I deal with stuff. My heart is full of all kinds of gunk and crap and garbage. And realizing that I need healing. I need some really deep things to happen in my heart, um, things, to, things to go on. Even this last week, I was having a conversation earlier this week with Hannah and just sharing like different issues that I was having. And she's, she made the comment like, oh, you're, you mentioned your dad a couple times. And I'm like, man, I'm an adult. I'm 35 years old and I still am wrestling through things with my relationship with my dad. Things that, um, things that have caused issues or sin to creep up in different kind of ways. Um, and this is, the deal is, even when you live in Christ in that complete freedom, you'll have to come to grips with the fact that you're broken. That there's a brokenness inside of you still. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes when we know that, you might have experienced this feeling of there's something not right. 
there's something not working the way it should. You've noticed it in your, in your own life, that I'm not either living the way I should be, I'm feeling feelings I thought I shouldn't, and then on your own, you try to overcompensate. You try to overcome that by trying a little harder, doing the dance that everyone else is doing the way that they are, trying to muscle it up, and then I know there are days when you're just tired and you feel like I can't do it. And this is someone who lives in freedom in Christ. But I want to let you know that if that's you, right, like if you don't follow Jesus, we're glad you're here. We love talking about him. We love um, looking at the, at the Bible, the things that are said about him, exploring. You're welcome here. If you're here and you, you're living in freedom and you're like, life is good, you're, you're welcome here. But if you're also struggling with stuff, dealing with things, um, you have questions and doubts, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is his offer. Not only does he cover your sins, he also is on a mission to restore you, to resurrect your hope. Um, And the church and church communities like this one are meant to be places where Christians can together begin to grow in their relationship with God, and the healing and restoration process can begin. I want to, really, if you think about an image, the church ought to be a restful, peaceful harbor, where a ship that's been out on the stormy seas of life, that has made long voyages and a long trip, can come in and find rest, and drop anchor, and be not on the stormy sea anymore, Um, to to relax, to have a furlough, and to be restored. There's this quote by O.P. Gifford that I just found really amazing. He says, the steamship whose machinery is broken may be brought into port and made fast to the dock. She is safe, but not sound. Repairs may last a long time. Christ designs to make us both safe and sound. Justification gives the first safety. Sanctification gives us the second, soundness. We're ships, and when Christ covers our sins, the badness of us is covered, it's dealt with, but there's still that brokenness. We've been brought into harbor, a place of safety, and yet at the same time, there is a brokenness that needs to be dealt with, and the repairs may take a long time. I get frustrated because I want those repairs to be instant, right? Like, swap out the parts. Like, do it right now. Let's go. And God wants us to be patient. Sure enough, he's going to do it. Um, And the reality is we each need work. All of us in this room have things that we need to work through, um, allow God to to move in. We each need healing. Um, I know that. That's true for me. The glorious thing is I'm seeing over the years how God has worked in me, and yet there's still, like, still a ton of stuff to process through. Um, so I want to us to think about this is what the church is supposed to look like. However, it often does not. It's not a place of safety, rest. It's not this harbor where restoration can happen, where you can be encouraged, and where that healing can happen. That actually other things. Um, so pull out your phone a second. I want to try this um, thing called Menti. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. So you'll have to log in first. Um, but the question I want you to consider 
and you'll throw in one word. I think you could put in three different options or three different words. But this is what I want you to think about. What is one word that the world uses to describe the church, right? I just described what it ought to be, what it should be, a place, a, a peaceful harbor, a restful harbor where healing and hope and restoration can occur. However, the world would probably describe it in different ways, and you might describe it. So toss in, yeah, you go to menti.com, and then you use this code 740232, and then I think it'll let you throw up three different words, and whatever you think it is, it'll pop in. Nice. It'll create a little word cloud and <coughs> The biggest one, of course, the biggest words are the ones that come in the most. And it looks like we're jumping around a couple here. We've got hypocritical, judgmental, fake, or maybe the top three here. Actually, like the first five are all related to this hypocritical, judgmental um, idea. Corrupt, legalistic, disappointing, homophobic is on there. Imaginative, yeah, there's some positive. Um, great, overwhelmingly, right? This, these words that you're seeing up here don't describe a restful harbor, right? There's um, a judgmental attitude that's huge um, and people kind of posing. We often see people in religion posing as to who they are and actually not being real and authentic. Maybe saying, I'm a ship that's fine. I'm not all that broken. I'm not, not all that messed up. Um, but the reality is we are broken. Um, the reason I want us to think about this is as we've been studying James, and tonight's like the last night we have. We've been studying it for a handful of months. But this is the reason James is written. James noticed in the church that it was not acting the way it ought to. It was not this restful harbor that it was supposed to be where healing can happen, but rather judgment was happening all over the place. People accusing each other, pointing out things about each other, um, being trying to earn favor with each other. The rich were being held to a high regard, um, and the poor were being left out. It was not a place where all these things were supposed to be happening. That's the problem that James is addressing. And all along, he says, if you believe in Christ— if you follow him, let that work its way out through you in action. If you talk the talk, walk the walk as well. Let's be a place where these things can be true. So tonight, um, if you want to turn to James, and, I, and if you need a Bible, um, throw up your hands. Brant and a few, maybe someone else is going to be handing out a Bible. Chris has got a stack of Bibles. So just throw up your hands. Um, we'd love for you to to see this in the Bible. But tonight, we're going to be closing out with James, and what James is going to end his letter with is what it looks like for the church, for the Christian community to actually walk the walk, for the Christian community to actually live out all that Christ wants for them. And what we're going to find is the elements of a restful harbor. It's a, it's a place where it's rich in community, and the other fundamental thing is it's rich in prayer. Prayer is one of the strongest ingredients um, 
of seeing these things happen. So, and also, um, if you have questions, you can text the number in the top right of the screen. At the end of the night, um, if, if there's some time, uh, I'll try to take a crack at those. Um, but let me read from James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Here's what he says. Is any among you, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man like ours, with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured forth rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me pray for our night tonight. Well, we do ask uh, that you be with us, that you be with me in my words. As we look at this passage, as we try to study it and glean from it, I pray uh, that it would be your spirit working and moving in our hearts. We give this night to you. Uh, it's yours. Would you do with it as you please? Amen. Okay, so actually this last section, um, there's kind of three questions, um, but four ideas that kind of show up. And we're just going to walk through, um, actually there's four questions, and we're going to walk through each of those and how it draws us to two, majorly two things, community and prayer. That's the things that are needed. One of the strongest recipes of a church that is able to create healing, that is able to draw that together. So the first question is he asks, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone dealing with suffering? Now, there's a lot of different ways that you can suffer. The, the church was dealing with economic pressure. Uh, a lot of people were poor. Um, barely had enough to, to get by, but they also were dealing with pressure externally from, um, for their faith, for what they were believing. The early church had to deal a lot with those kinds of things. But when it's talking about suffering in this context, it's talking about external pressure, circumstantial distress, unfairness that is happening. And he says, if anyone is suffering, the answer is very simple. He must pray. There's some people who have this idea that um, God is very aloof, that he's um, pretty separated from your circumstance and what you're personally dealing with. And that if, and I've heard this before, like if you're dealing with something difficult and hard, just, just deal with it. Uh, just buck up or realize that there are people in the world who will have it worse than you do, who have more difficult situations, um, who have harder hills to climb, and there's this like callous sense of, hey, because you're sinful, we live in a broken world, and so you're just gonna have to deal with it. What I love about the request here is that's not the response of God. 
The response of God is, would you bring those things to me? Pray. I care about your circumstances. I care about the things you're going through. I know that you're going through these things, and I want you to draw those to me. I care about the things that you care about. I, I value the things. If you're going through something difficult and hard, and so the simple request is to direct us to him. He doesn't say, shut up about it. I don't want to hear about it. He says, no, if you're suffering, you got to pray. you got to bring that to me. you got to allow me to enter into that suffering with you, right? So that's the first thing. The first question, is anyone among you suffering? Let us pursue prayer together. Let us draw each other to, um, to move to God. The second one, second question, it goes on the opposite direction. Is anyone cheerful? So is anyone happy? Anyone in having a delightful experience where things are going well, there's things to celebrate. And likewise, it says that person ought to sing praises. And I love the Psalms because the Psalm has a pretty healthy dose of both lament, um, really heavy things, and then on the other side, a lot of things to be praised, um, a, lot of, a lot of ways to turn to God. And essentially, um, what God is, wants us to do is to feel our feelings express it. Get it out. Take joy and delight in these things. Express what's inside and move it outside. And there's a lot of things that you guys can be happy about. There's a lot of things in your life, and we sometimes just forget to focus on this. I've slowly started to um, try to build the habit of journaling, and I'll be good for like a week, and then I'll It'll sit in the shelf for like a month. But I notice something happens when I actually stop, consider my day, and I, and I remember everything that happened in that day, and I thank the Lord for it. I notice something actually happens in my heart. I recognize and I see how, how much I'm blessed. Um, it's still something I'm, you can ask me about it. I'm still trying to work it into um, my, my daily schedule. Um, but it's been hard. But there's a lot of things to be happy about. What I love about these two questions right next to each other is in a group this size, in a church setting, there are a few of you who are in a spot of really struggling and suffering. And there are a few of you who are doing just great and awesome, right? Um, Paul in Romans says and calls us into community by saying, we need to rejoice with those who rejoice and we need to mourn with those who mourn. Um, but the odd thing is when people share, like if you have any kind of public setting where people like kind of share what's going on in their life, if someone shares something really heavy and dark and you're like happy and you've had a great week, what are you not gonna share? You're not gonna, you're gonna be like, I don't wanna be so callous as to share that. Um, this person just shared this heavy thing. But the reality is it's okay for you to be in a different emotional spot than someone else's. And as they're sharing and it may be praying for them in that difficulty, um, you can enter into that mourning. And then at the same time, you can authentically share, hey, I'm actually doing really well. I saw God have this breakthrough in my life just recently, and it's been awesome. And you know who needs to hear that sometimes? It is the person who's having a difficult time. And the person who is like having a great time needs to hear from someone else who's things aren't going that well. Things aren't. I, so I just love that these two are just right next to each other, right? If you are suffering, pray. And if you are cheerful, 
sing praises, two forms of directing your thoughts to God. Um, and really, this is drawing us to empathy. My wife, Jo, she is so empathetic. Um, and one of the things that sometimes it, I enjoy um, experiencing is when she's on the phone with somebody and I have no idea what is being talked about and I have no idea who she's talking with, but I can tell that something really great is happening because she makes all these verbal cues and sounds of like, if you say something great, she's like, makes a sound, I don't know. I can't even do it, that's not me, right? So I don't do that. Um, Hannah's great, she like, We'd sometimes enter into emotions and we verbalize it, express it, right? There's some of us who like, we're blank sheets. And sometimes like, hey, you okay? <laughs> Do you have emotions? Those people have emotions too, right? We just don't maybe express them as much. Um, but I love my wife and I see when she, when you're in pain, you know she's with you in that. Mostly because she expresses it and you, you can tell. Um, but that's what's needed, these things next to each other. Um, so the third question then, he says, is anyone among you sick? Now look at this, look at, um, look at his answer to that. And shout out, what do you notice is different about his response here from the previous two? There's a couple different things you could, you could pick out. But yeah, what do you notice as you see as James illustrates these? Yeah. Yeah, he calls on others. So the first two, it was, hey, if you're doing this, you initiate and do this thing, you initiate and do this. But this, now there's someone else involved who must be involved. They're to call on the elders, these church kind of people who are, are more in a position of authority. They're to come and they are to pray. Yeah, that's great. Anything else? It's really big. Yeah, was that you, Michael? Yeah, it's like the weight that's given to this is so much more than the first two. And James is trying to draw out something um, very important in the midst of this. It's a lengthy response. And I think the reason why, when he talks about sickness, he's already covered suffering, right? What he's talking about here in sickness is literal illness. Like there's something wrong with you. Um, and in fact, the idea is that you can't get out of bed. That's why the elders have to come to you. You can't, you can't actually come to them. They're coming to you. There's something physical, some ailment, some sickness that's going on. And the elders are to come, and they are to pray over this person, anoint them with oil, and the promise is that they will be restored, that there will be healing that happens. And I think the reason there's so much density here. The community is involved, but what James wants us to know is that there is actual power in prayer, um, and healing can and does happen in the church when we pray, when we seek his face. Um, yeah. I, I want to do one more menti thing, one more question for you guys. Um, in, in this passage, it also states that if there were sins, they will also be forgiven. So not only this physical thing, but also a forgiveness of sins. And here's the question is, what do you think about sickness and illness connected to sinfulness? Are they connected or are they not? Let's see what you guys think. Man, maybe I shouldn't have put, it's complicated. <laughs> wow, it's like a dead heat between those two. All right, that's good. Okay, so it looks like 
All right, no, just took the lead there a little bit. You're not able to put in multiple responses, are you? I hope not. No? Okay, good. All right, so it looks like no and it's complicated are the two top answers, and a few who say yes, they are connected. Um, and I think uh, it makes a lot of sense for us to not want to connect sinfulness and um, any kind of illness or something that's wrong with someone. The reason is, um, in a church that already is labeled as judgmental, oh my gosh, um, to, to then blame anything that's wrong with someone's life to something sinful that they did, there should be an aversion in the church to ever doing that. Unless the Lord like has clearly spoken to you to say that, you should not tell someone that they are throwing up because they did something, you know, well, maybe if they drank all night the night before. But, um, but you know, you should not say that catastrophes are happening in the world um, because of sinfulness or because of some specific group of people. We, we need to shy away from that. In fact, in the, in the Gospel of John, the disciples ask Jesus about a blind man, and they say, hey, this man's blind from when he was a kid. So was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused him to be blind? And Jesus said, neither. It is neither of those that has caused his blindness. Um, and so it's right, we are right to overwhelmingly consider that no, it's, it's not. But in fact, this, this may be shocking to you, but there are times when it is connected to sinfulness. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 11. And this is in the context of taking communion. And he's telling them about how you take communion, right? We do this in churches. If you're in a, in a traditional church setting, every now and again, you'll take communion. The elements, the, um, the bread that's broken to represent the body of Christ and the wine or grape juice that's poured out to represent the... Um, and in that teaching, as, as Paul teaches that, he says this. And he, he warns them that, that you can approach it wrong, you can sinfully um, do this. And he says, for this reason, because you are acting sinfully during communion, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. And you know, sleep is actually a euphemism for they're dead. That there are times where there's a connection between your physical well-being and your sinfulness. So the answer is, it's complicated. Um, in, if you read the Old Testament, there is a connection between the two. Um, that there is, there is something truly linked up, but not always. If you remember the story of Job, they're saying, you, uh, you did something bad. This is why these things are happening. And the answer is, he didn't. He didn't. So it's complicated. Um, if we go to verses 16 through 18, he breaks his mode and takes some time um, to show us the restorative power of prayer. And it's here that he says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed. He is drawing the attention to each other um, that we would be in each other's lives enough that we could pray for each other, um, that we could work through things together. Um, for our ships to get repaired correctly, that is what you need. That is what I need. I can't do it by myself. I need people to be praying for me. 
I need to be praying for others. That's why um, at most nights at Crew, we have people on the sides um, praying during worship, during our last worship set, so that if you need any prayer for anything, that we would be there, um, that we would be a church that does it with each other. If we confess our sins with one another and pray for one another, we will be healed. Now, he gives the, gives the example of Elijah. He was a man who is just like us. He's saying, Elijah is just like you, and guess what he did? He prayed, and it didn't rain for a long time. How bad would it be if it didn't rain for three years and six months? That would be catastrophic, right? And then when he prays, after that time, the, the skies open. Now, does anyone remember how Elijah prays? Anything unique about how Elijah prays when he does pray for rain? A little bit of trivia. Does anyone know what posture he's in, how he does it? No? He actually is in, well, we don't have time to look at this, but you can go back to 1 Kings um, chapter 18. It's the end of that. But what he does is he gets into like a squatting posture, um, what would traditionally be viewed as like a birthing position. Not that there's anything unique or special about that, but he prays and he keeps sending his servant off to see if any rain clouds are showing up. And his servant runs off, then he comes back, he's like, no clouds. So he keeps praying, he runs away, comes back, and he just keeps praying. He does it seven times until a storm is on its way. The storm clouds are there. And what I love about that as these storm clouds roll in and then Elijah runs, runs off because he's going to be stuck in mud. What I love about it is he knows God has told him it's going to rain, but he won't stop praying until it happens. There are things in our lives that we need to trust the Lord in and pray and pray and pray. Even if God says, I, gives you a word of assurance, I'm going to do this thing, he wants us to pray it into being to birth it into existence, which is awesome. Um, it's pretty incredible. If, if you're thinking about James and what we've said before, in chapter, one, or in chapter four, he said, you don't have because you don't ask. He's calling us to pray. Um, in the first chapter, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously, and it will be given to him. Our prayers can accomplish much. They can change weather patterns if it's in the Lord's will. Um, and I wonder what would happen if you actually believed that your prayers could do that. If your prayers had that kind of potency and power, would that change your life? I think the answer is yes. We would all spend a lot more time in that crouching position. <laughs> actually, I never pray in that position. Um, <clears throat> but here's what I want to do tonight, I want us to take some time to pray for each other. And this may be a little different, um, but I, I want us to get into groups of uh, three or five around, around you. Um, and I want us to do the first two things. Um, yeah, James, if you could pop that up. So um, I want us to practice praying together a little bit. So what I want us to do is not actually pray in these groups. What I want you to do is share. Um, link to those first two questions. So, are any among you suffering, and are any among you cheerful? Um, in your groups, just share, like, hey, 
I'm actually dealing with this right now, or I'm struggling with this happening. Um, or if you're cheerful, hey, this is a win I've had. This is something that's been going great. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to like do that, and then we'll, I'll bring us together, um, and we'll spend a little time in prayer. Share a little bit. Um, and that's the kind of thing we want to have. We want to experience and, and learn from each other. So does anyone want to share like their own thing, the thing that you know they're really dealing with net right now, or actually that they're really excited and happy about, or things going well? Um, who would like to share? You could share something that someone else shared. Yeah, shut up. All right. And like, it was just a great time. I walked into it not knowing what to expect. Yeah. And then we love each other. And we were like, let's be roommates. Now I got to figure it out. That's awesome. Grad school roommates. Now someone needs to write a song. And we'll sing it together, right? Praise. No, we won't do that. But yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. What else? Yeah. Yeah. The ankles, the legs, your brain, all of those things are going to hurt real soon. But there's excitement, right? You got the mixture of like, I'm really happy that this thing's here. It's, it's like right around the corner. All the work that you've done, the joy of like doing all that. And at the same time, yeah, there'll be some suffering, but for a good thing. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. What else? Is anyone sick? Yeah. You want to share a little bit? What do you got? I am sick. I don't know. It's probably a cold, but... All right, all right. Well, yeah. Well, hey, would someone pray for her? And actually, someone pray for Jack as well. Um, Who would want to do that? Just out loud. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, do it. Amen. And this is what we want to see, us to be in each other's lives, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to mourn with those who mourn. I just really briefly want to go through those last two verses in the passage. Um, He says, my brethren, if any among you strays, this is last like category question, like if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The only thing I want to draw out from this is that James says the church, the Christian community is a place where we look out for each other. We care about each other, and when we see someone going off the rails or going into dangerous places, that we, he calls our faith to be active, that we do something about it, that we care enough um, to actually visibly show that love. And that can, at times, be scary. Like, for instance, in a group this size, to actually raise your hand and to share something, that's a place of vulnerability. Um, but when you're called into community, you're called to be known And when you're called to be known, that means you need to reveal yourself and actually who you are. And that, I know, is scary. But this is what he wants us to do. This is how you get healing. This is how your ship 
who you are slowly gets restored is when we do that. And all along the way, James has been saying, don't just say that you follow Jesus, actually follow Jesus. Don't just say you love other people in your life, actually love other people in your life. If you have faith in Christ, let it have legs. Let it, let it be that, enter into that awkwardness. Um, so that's what we want. James has called us to that. That's what we want to create here. We'd love for you to be, continue to be a part of that and build into that. This is a place where we rejoice that we live in safety and we encourage each other to continue to become more and more sound as he heals us. Um, let me, well, I guess we have one question before I pray. So we had one question texted in. Um, yeah, Jake. Uh, how can the church better nurture a culture that looks to heal and takes it seriously? Um, yeah, nurture that culture. I think, um, I think sometimes that's hard depending on what Christian community and what church culture you're in. Um, so if you're in a small Bible study with a couple people, you actually have a lot more ability to change that culture um, by actually first just being vulnerable. Um, some of those, the, the two words that were big on the screen, if you noticed, were hypocritical and judgmental. Um, you actually are able to change that or the perception of that, at least not for the whole church, but at least for someone's experience of the church. Um, you cannot be judgmental. So if someone shares something, you can come alongside them and say, you know what, I, I actually have, I can relate to that. Uh, maybe not exactly that category, um, but I've fallen over here in, in, this, in this place. And when someone shares something, not to, not to go to that judgmental place, um, but to say, hey, thanks for sharing that. What does it look like for you to grow out of that? What does it look like for you to experience healing in that? And then the other side, hypocritical, right? We have to be okay, um, not just to fake share things that are wrong. Like, I know there's times where it's very easy to share some of the safe things that are wrong in your life. Um, like, it can be, this is, I'm gonna say this, but you need to put it in a little box because this is okay sometimes. But if you're in like a group or you're sharing and you say like, oh, you know, this, this week I just haven't spent as much time with the Lord as I wanted to. Um, I've missed a couple times, right? That's like a safe, easy thing to share that doesn't sound all that bad. Um, and that's okay. So that's why I say put it in a box because it's okay to do that. But you want to move to those places where it's actually like, you know what? I had a fight with my wife last week and, um, and we worked through it and it was difficult, but... Um, that kind of stuff is more real. That stuff, um, you actually do have to move into places of vulnerability, but that's where the hypocrisy kind of falls away. There's no more game playing, none of that. And so to, to create that culture, I think it really does start with you um, making an agreement, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be real. Um, there was a, a phrase we used to say in crew all the time, maybe we should resurrect it, which is, it is better to look worse on the outside, but be getting better on the inside, than to look better on the outside, but be slowly corroding away on the inside. And that is so completely true. So I think to kind of create that culture, I think it just begins with authenticity um, and being willing to engage with others where they are. So, hey, let me pray. Um, I'll invite the worship band up, and I think we'll have a little more time to pray 
um, after that as well. Well, Lord, I thank you so much for this time in James. Uh, thank you so much for your spirit's guiding and leading us in that. And I, and I pray for my own heart that you would help me to continue to be more authentic and real uh, for people to see that um, there's still things that I'm growing in and walking in. And yet, at the same time, I don't need to worry about those. I can rejoice that I'm safe in you. And so would we continually point each other to the anchor to the safety that we have in you, that that would free us up. Lord, help us to live in complete freedom in you. Help us to encourage each other in the places where you, your spirit um, is doing renovation, um, where you're working on our hearts and creating softness where there was once hardness. Um, would you help us to do that? I pray for these men and women, that they would extend care and love to each other. Um, and I ask that you would do that in your power and strength, trusting that even this prayer has the power to do those things. Would you draw us to that? Amen. The talk you have just listened to is a presentation of Penn State Crew. Crew is a community where the gospel captures hearts, transforms lives, and launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Penn State Crew or to find more talks, music, and videos, check out PennStateCrew.org. That's PennStateCRU.org. This talk is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States license. You are free to copy and distribute this talk to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.